Happy New Year, listeners! Welcome back to State of the Union. I am the resolution you will not keep this year, Stephen Payton, and this is your weekly breakdown of all things Scottish independence. Kicking things off this week, well, might as well tackle the big one first. We're officially, officially out of the European Union now, despite Scotland voting overwhelmingly to remain. With an hour to go before the bells on Hogmanay, the Brexit transition period formally came to an end, prompting the First Minister to repeat her call for Europe to leave a light on for Scotland. It's not exactly a fair position for Scotland, and apparently we are not the only ones who think so. Earlier this week, German newspaper Die Zeit published an analysis piece from Irish journalist Fintan O'Toole named Brexit, a ridiculous swagger. O'Toole noted that Brexit may be the beginning of a development that will end with an English nation state. He went on to say that it is important to remember that the English nationalism that has driven Brexit is not just anti-European, it is anti-Scottish. A year before the Brexit referendum of 2016, the Conservative Party discovered in its polling and focus groups that an extremely effective message for English voters was, if the Tories did not get a majority in the election, the SNP's then-leader, Alex Salmond, might hold the balance of power at Westminster. This powerfully negative response reflected the fact that we, we being the English in this case, hate being ruled or bossed by foreigners. French, Germans, Scots, anyone. And it looked as though we were going to be run by Alex Salmond. It is a most powerful thing when people are threatened by government, by outsiders. It's a fair point. How far can a supposedly equal family of nations truly go when one of them not only shows hostility to the other to that degree, but also weaponizes their participation in democracy to further their own gains? With the Holyrood election fast approaching and polls indicating a substantial pro-yes majority in the next Scottish Parliament, there's every reason to believe that we're about to get yet another mandate for a second independence referendum. Put that with O'Toole's analysis and you get Scotland on an unstoppable path to leaving the UK, which might go some way to explain one specific clause in the Brexit trade agreement that the Tories managed to push through. In the Tory Brexit deal, which we're now all stuck under, the Conservative government included an explicit clause that stated that the UK should be consulted ahead of any new countries joining the EU in the future. And doesn't that just highlight the absolute arrogance of the British state? To make a pig's ear of negotiations to leave the EU, to centre British nationalism ahead of reason, to make such a big deal of how they are taking back control, and then to still demand that they should have a say in what the European Union does in the future, even though it has absolutely nothing to do with it. The fact is, this clause was likely included purely because the UK wanted some means, any means at all, to continue threatening to withhold access to the EU for an independent Scotland. That should give you an indicator of how worried they are about Scottish independence and how very real it is to them. That being said, the clause itself doesn't really mean much of anything. Sure, the British government should be consulted 
in future expansions of the EU. But the EU don't need to actually listen to anything they say. James Kerr-Lindsay, visiting professor at the London School of Economics and Political Science, and whose research focuses on European Union enlargement, did say that the EU holds a very clear position that third countries can't actually have a veto or anything similar when it comes to who can and cannot join the EU. So it's a functionally harmless cause, though I'm sure we can still expect to see it used by Boris Johnson to stoke concerns about Scotland's access to Europe regardless. Oh, and Kerr Lindsay also went on to say that he believed Scotland would have a fast accession process to the EU, just as long as the process of actually getting independence was viewed as legitimate. Also this week, another old face from the Labour Party popped up to warn of the dangers of independence, and for once, it wasn't Gordon Brown. No, this time it was Tony Blair, a man whose voice I'm only really interested in hearing if it's been broadcast from The Hague. Blair claimed that independence was not in Scotland's interests, though, interestingly, Blair's new Labour actually played a pivotal role in bringing about the circumstances that led to independence ending up on the agenda in the first place. Many old Labour folk ultimately left the party, in part due to the direction he took it, and found themselves either out with any party but backing independence, or in the SNP. As the old saying goes, I didn't leave Labour, Labour left me. So thanks for that Tony, and for being the man who really drove home the point. The independence is a better option than just waiting around for the Westminster opposition to take power, because not much will change when they do. And finally, this week, we should take a moment to address the absolutely vile comparisons some pro-union folk made online between the domestic terrorists who entered the US Capitol building to try overthrow a democratic vote, and the Yes Movement. Scottish Labour's Ian Smart, a man whose name doesn't quite match his analysis, was one of the bigger culprits along with Paul Sinclair, former chief advisor to Joanne Lamont. Both shamefully insinuated that Yes supporters and Trump supporters were, well, basically two sides of the same coin, which, honestly, if you really want to go down that route, I could point out that Trump's biggest supporters in the UK also all happen to be firmly against Scottish independence starting with the Conservative Party and UKIP and moving along to any number of right-wing media pundits and Twitter trolls. So yeah, I'd maybe hang fire and drawing any attention to that one, lads. But that does bring us to a close this week. So with all that said, where does that leave the State of the Union? About as likely to last as Boris Johnson's bananas claim that another referendum shouldn't be held until 2055. Aye, good luck with that. See you all again next Friday.